0: Welcome to SME Radio. On this episode of Mid-Market Matters, I'm joined again by Michael Lane from Success Resources. And I asked Michael to come back and talk to us because last time we spoke, he mentioned briefly how he'd been particularly successful in using joint ventures and partnerships to create massive growth in his business. So, Michael, thanks for joining us again, mate. It's great to have you back.
1: Thanks, Craig. It's great to be back.
0: So I think um, last time we spoke about so many different things, and it was a really great episode, but one of the things that I wanted to really drill down on was you mentioned several times how you've been able to use joint ventures and strategic partnerships to create massive growth, and I'm really interested to find out more about that. But maybe for people who didn't hear the previous episode, maybe just a really short update on, on you and where you're at, and maybe tell us a little bit about the massive event that you ran just last week.
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks for that. Um, so, yeah, my name Michael. I have a business called Success Resources. I have a couple of partners who help me do what we do. Uh, we run large-scale educational conferences. That's both live conferences and digital conferences. We have some of the best partners on the planet when it comes to entrepreneurship, personal development, leadership, all things growth. Um, we've been doing it for 26 years. Uh, We have about 12 million clients around the world in about 37 countries. So, yeah, we've been doing it a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I suppose we're in the business of two things, changing people's lives, and that's our customer focus. And then when it comes to partnerships, it's partnering with the world's best. So primarily, we're a business that promotes and does the sales, marketing, and the execution for some of the people like Tony Robbins. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Sir Richard Branson, uh, a whole heap of different people. So yeah, for the last sort of 18 years, I've been doing that and it's been a lot of fun.
0: Mate, you just mentioned, you know, three or four of the biggest names that are out there. I'm very interested to find out um, before we drill down into the process and so on, how do you get involved with people like that? I mean, most people would find that quite scary. How do I go and ring Tony Robbins and say, mate, you want to do a joint venture? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, look, um, I, I must admit, Tony's been a partner of ours, been our longest partner, it's been 25 years. And one of my partners in the business actually convinced Tony to come on 25 years ago. So that one was already established by the time I got into the business. But look, a bit like the first relationship with Tony, a bit like Sir Richard Branson, it all comes down to building Something of massive value so that when you give these guys a call or show up at their office or however you connect with them, that they can see there's enough value there to do some kind of partnership. Uh, Whether it's a strategic partnership, whether it's an equity partnership, whether it's a, a joint venture, whatever it may be, you need to be able to show that you are best in class, world beaters in your industry. And look, we. We believe that we're one of the greatest when it comes to showcasing the world's best. And when you build a brand and you build a business that's changing lives and having such an impact, it makes it a lot easier to get talent. But look, back in the day when we were first knocking on doors, you know, Craig, it was tough. There was a lot of people who, A, never heard of us. B, didn't want to go and share their their message on the stage, didn't want to you know, travel all around the world and do all those kind of things. But, you know, if we fast forward to today, uh, it's a lot easier knocking on doors now that we've built a brand Mm. and we've built a business that has, you know, millions and millions of clients. So it's much easier today than it was a long time ago.
0: So I'm interested in drilling down in the actual process because you've been spectacularly successful in getting this right. As you said, you've partnered with some of the biggest and best names in the business. So, now, it's it's obviously a fast growth strategy, but there are other benefits what are what are some of the benefits and why have you chosen why have you particularly gone down this joint venture partnership approach?
1: yeah so and and just so the listeners understand my entire business is based off this strategy. so for example, uh, myself and my two other business partners we don't educate, we don't speak, we don't do anything like that. what mm. we do is we We always partner with somebody. So we identified that we're really good at the sales, marketing, and the event execution game. We're horrible on stage trying to convince people and educate people and and give people uh, strategies. So what we decided to do was go look for the biggest names, the best brands, the most iconic people on the planet, and convince them that they've got a story and they've got some amazing lessons to share. So, for example, you think about Sir Richard Branson. It was two thousand and ten when we did our very first deal with him, wow. and yeah. he wasn't used to speaking on stages. He wasn't used to sharing his message. and And here's a funny story: we 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 managed to book him, and he turned up, and he had a look out behind the the curtain, and there was about seven thousand people there, and he actually <laughs> had he he thought it was for forty to fifty people, and I'm, I'm still. <laughs> I still remember the look on his face and, uh, and, I mean. and he was horrified um, so much so that he needed a couple of shots of vodka to, to, to get the courage to go out there. But look, you know, w- w- what we do is different. We try and convince the best to come out and share what they've learned. And that was a great example. That was the first time anyone's ever booked Sir Richard Branson to just share his journey, share some lessons and some stories and, you know, Uh, to this day, and between you and I, Craig, and only your listeners, on Saturday morning, I was on the phone to his executive team coming up with a new joint venture and a new partnership. So look, joint ventures for me have been an, an epic way to grow my business. Because for me, we identified what we're really good at. And we want to delegate the areas that we're not so good at. So when it comes to, you know, someone like Richard Branson, we, we you, you can't replicate that. No, so we, we want to go find the most iconic women, blokes, entrepreneurs, world leaders, and try and convince them to partner with us, try and convince them that they've had all this success. And how would it feel to be able to teach the next generation some of the lessons and learnings that you've had over your 10, 20, 40, 50-year career? And it's a very different strategy because I'm not looking for extremely polished speakers. Yes, we have Tony Robbins, uh, and and that's more of a long-term partnership. But you know what I love right now? I love going to Hollywood. I love going to the music industry. I love going and finding actors. I love finding the most iconic names on the planet and convincing them that they've got an amazing story and what would it be like to partner with us and educate entrepreneurs coming through. So that's kind of been my whole strategy. Know what I'm good at, delegate the rest, and partner with the best.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's really interesting to hear you say, I mean, this is not a part of your business, this is your business. The whole thing's built it, on doing this really well.
1: It is the entire strategy. And, and let me be clear, I have other businesses sure. and I have chosen to use this strategy in every business. So for example, I I acquired 49% of a finance company last year. Mm-hmm. Now, why would they want me to come in to their business and take a very large chunk in a joint venture or an equity venture? like us like we do because i know what i can bring to the table i know i can bring them sales marketing and scale through live events so craig this is this is not i'm trialing this i'm testing this i've yeah, done this yeah. since the age of 19 my yeah. very first business was me and i think i said this on the last podcast was me actually selling car servicing for the local dealership door knocking in the area now again I, I I just would rather partner with somebody who's got an amazing way to fulfil the actual service or product. So yeah, yeah. you you know what you know what I figured out very early, Craig, is that I'm horrible at coming up with products and, and my own things. I started an energy drink company, failed miserably. <laughs> um, I, I had other businesses where I tried to create the thing. Now my entire strategy is. If I'm, if I'm inspired to get into a sector or an industry, I know what I can bring, and I want to go figure out who is the billion-dollar player, who's the billion-dollar brand in that field, and be able to set up a joint venture, and this is the key, and I hope everyone's listening to this, is give your equity partner a huge percentage of the business. So so bear with me. Let me just explain this, right? Mm. So I'm doing a deal right now with probably top three fitness companies on the planet. I'm talking uh, 500 million dollar valuation, 100 million in revenue and you know 20 million clients around the world. and I'm approaching them on a new company. and here's the key: I'm not giving away equity in my current company. I'm starting a new company. Yeah. Yeah. With a new philosophy based on my experience and my business's uh, employee structure and strategy. And I go to my partner and I go, I want to give you 50% of this new company. Now, Craig, in the past, I've given 95% away.
0: Wow. Yeah. So Because the
1: whole thing basically the whole thing now. On that deal where I gave 95% away, I gave it away because I just wanted the brand association. I wanted to be able to say that, you know what, I'm in business with this brand. And that deal, ironically, got me $10 million in in new deals in the next 18 months. So my whole philosophy is find who's best in class, who's the world beater when it comes to this. Start a new company, bring all your team and your expertise, give the lion's share to the partner who can hopefully execute and help you scale. So, here's an example, right? I don't want to go create a sales and marketing team, I don't want to go create a new product. I want to find a joint venture for two key reasons. One, they're the biggest brand and they can scale our new product or service quicker than anyone or B, yep. they already have the client base that I need and want to scale the program or the product. Yep. So, so picture this. That fitness company I'm talking to have 20 million clients. Mm-hmm. So when I come into the space and say, hey, I'll give you the lion's share of this idea, this concept. Here's what I can bring to the table. Here's the equity and all the stuff you get, and all I need you to do is put $0 in, but I need you to attach this to your current business or sell it to your clients or find mm-hmm. a way that it it seamlessly fits into your ecosystem. Yeah, fantastic. So that's kind of my strategy. Uh, I know it's unorthodox. I appreciate that. And I, I know every time I get on a podcast like this, I get so many messages going, what the hell? You're giving away so much equity. Why would you leave with 5% or, or 15% or, or 20%? Yeah. And here's the reason, is that it's a long life. You're gonna do a lot of deals. Most often, an entrepreneur's first idea, first business, and I don't want this to be a shock for anyone, I don't want to be the negative guy in the room, but it's probably not gonna scale to the billion dollar ambitions you hoped for. (laughs) Yep. So, So if that's the case, get in, grow your association. Find partners, give away a crazy amount of equity that on the other side of the table, they're looking at you going, this guy's mad. He's giving us all of this. How good are we? How great is this going to be? But you are sitting there at the other end of the table, picking up five, 15, 20, maybe 50% of something that a much bigger group can scale for you. That's the key.
0: Fantastic. So I want to drill down and pick your brains a little bit of, Around how you go around because yeah. you've obviously done it really well. So firstly, how do you know your business is right for a joint venture? If you're a mid-market business owner, which is our audience out there, how do I know my business is right for some kind of joint venture, firstly?
1: Well, a couple of things. You have a brand that's recognizable in your industry. So there's nothing worse, and, and and I did this for years. I turned up to the joint venture boardroom table pitching a lofty idea, and I had no brand, no expertise and nothing to back it up. So you must be a market leader. You must be an expert in your field. And if you're not an expert, anyone listening to this, you need to start to build your expertise in the marketplace, and you need to get that up. So the only way a company is gonna do a deal with you, if they see on the other side of the table, you know what, this guy or girl is the market leader in this. This is the guy or girl we wanna partner with. This is the one. If we if we were going to do this, we'd want to do it with them. So you got to you got to figure out if you're not that market leader or you're not that go to expert, you need to come up with a strategy for the next twelve months on what you can do to be at least perceived as a huge expert. And yeah. that's a whole different line of conversation, Craig. That's around putting content out, doing podcasts, doing things to get and raise your profile. Um, But you also need to be able to scale ideas quickly. So you need to be able to have a business that you know what you're really, really good at. So let's say you're a mid-market company and your expertise is X, Y, Z. Whatever that is, you need to master that so that when someone comes to you or you go to someone, you hang your hat on this piece of the business cycle and you can put your hand on heart and say when you go to that table to negotiate we are the best or one of the best in this area yeah. and you always you're always looking for the opposite of what you need so for me and why i do so many deals craig is because i have a 6.7 million database of small to medium business owners entrepreneurs motivated, -motivated, self-motivated, aspirational people. That is an extremely powerful client. So when I go to a joint venture with somebody who's got a product or service, Mm. I'm very attractive because I get 6 million people who wake up every day and are looking to be better themselves. So when it comes to health, wealth, finances, uh, those kind of things, I have a very good client. And that's what I've really built my business on is – I know what I can do to venture with people, and I know what piece of the puzzle I hold. And usually, the piece that I hold is a very labor-intensive, costly part of the process. Here's an example. Why I acquired 49% of a finance company last year is because their average cost per lead was $1,500 per lead. Not per sale, not per transaction, per lead. Great. Today, I acquire a better lead for that exact business for less than $10. Now, you have to think about that. What's that valued at? What's the valuation of
0: that? Yeah. So obviously a lot of this is partnership and you're putting two companies or two brands with different values different cultures different decision-making processes and structures that sometimes must cause issues or conflicts how do you manage that and how do you make how do you minimize that and how do you manage it when it happens
1: look it's very difficult because you just don't know what you don't know you need to be a super flexible partner Uh, i actually call it the good bloke policy The good bloke policy is (laughs) you need to be able to check in with your partners every three months and you need to be a good bloke about it. So what I mean by that is you need to be in constant communication, but you actually come together every 90 days and go, hey, Craig, I just want to check in. How is this going for you? Has this rolled out as you thought it would? Is it better than you thought, worse than you thought? So – When you come into this, if you are the type of entrepreneur or business owner that is extremely uh, firm on the way you do business and very uh, detailed, orientated, and structured in a certain way, you may struggle with joint ventures and finding long-term partners. You'll get partners, but whether they're long-term or not. So what I would suggest is check in with your partners every 90 days. And that's a proper sit-down face-to-face. And ask that question: How's it going for you? And I tell you now, Craig, I've got to that table, and I've had people say it's going better than I thought. It's going great. We're super happy. I've had people go, you know what? It's not going as effortlessly as we thought. Yeah. And the perception is that Michael, on your side, you've got the easier end of the of the deal. Yep. And I, and I've even done it this way, Craig, where I've said, you know what? Based on the last 90 days and what I've seen, you're 100% correct. Let's equilibrate this somehow. And I've done deals where I've given 5, 10, even 15% more on my side to equal up the equation so that they feel like they're valued in the the arrangement. Now, the only reason you do that is because you want long term sustainable success in your venture. You know, there's nothing worse than an amazing deal. That ends quickly or abruptly because one side takes more or the perception is they have a greater piece of the pie. So you never know how it's going to go until you're truly in bed together. But once you're in bed, you need to be flexible. And my recommendation is you check in every 90 days face to face.
0: Yeah, good tip, mate. Very good tip. So Common pitfall, I think you've just described one of them and and a tip around how to manage it, but a common pitfall you've seen that you want people to learn from, what would you do differently?
1: Look, that's a common one is obviously going in with um, either an ego or a sense of, you know, how you should do it yourself. The the second thing is you need to pick your partners very, very well. I've had some horrible joint venture partners. Uh, And to be really honest, in my early days, I was a horrible joint venture partner. Right. So if you don't pick your partnership correctly, then I find that it ends abruptly. So what that means is you need to get your potential partner out of the boardroom. I tell you what I love to do, Craig, is I love to go play golf. Yeah. Um, for me, if I can get somebody, and and it helps if they're a golfer, if they're not a golfer, it's, it, <laughs> it, it can be a frustrating day out there, but find <laughs> something that gets you out of the boardroom. Here's yeah. what I figured out. How you respond on the golf course, how you respond in a restaurant, how you greet or how courteous you are to wait staff gives me a huge insight into what things are going to be like down the track. Here's an example, right? I played golf with a joint venture partner, and the person, every second shot they hit, they were swearing, they were frustrated, they're throwing clubs. Yeah. you think about off. that, Craig. When when you get into business, it ain't all going to be happy days and, and rainbows. There's going to mm. be tough times. So if I have a snapshot of wow, in the last four hours, this guy's thrown his golf club, sworn, <laughs> got pissed <laughs> off. So imagine true. what imagine what happens when we get into some tough times in the business. So yeah. come up with a way to get somebody outside the boardroom. When they've got their suit on on the other side of the table and they're in their home. Ground advantage, and they know how to respond on that side of the table. That's one thing, but get them outside the boardroom, get them into a you know non-business environment. See how they act with people. See how they respond. Yeah, too. and and I think that's a big one. Where I stuffed up a couple of joint ventures, even though they looked great on paper and everything yeah. looked awesome, the character of the partner came through, and. You've got to follow that. And if it, if it isn't truly someone who's going to understand and have the values that you have, it's going to be tough.
0: Yeah, fantastic tip. Matt, I've got a couple of quick fire questions just to ask you about some of the JVs that you've done, what worked, yeah. what didn't work. So let's just fire off those. Um, what's your earliest JV? What's the first one you did?
1: mate? that was the car servicing one uh, in Hornsby in Sydney. Uh, like I said, I... I did a deal with the car, a Ford car yard. What I identified is that their business was most profitable in the service department. So I created a joint venture where I brought more people into the service department. And here's a good thing. They actually, every client I bought through the door, they averaged a $700 upsell or average sale per client. And that client came for two years, twice a year. So that was my very first joint venture back when I was 19.
0: Wow, that's a great start. What's your longest standing one? Is it that one or another one?
1: No, it's Tony Robbins. It has to be. Um, So you know, or people, so you get an understanding. We're 4 million people through the doors live on that joint venture, and we're at about almost 800 million in that partnership and that joint venture for the last 25 years. So that's been my- Incredible numbers. That's been my longest standing, JV.
0: So just to go through those numbers again, you've had 4 million people through the door and $800 million in revenue. Correct. That is amazing. Um, Which partner did it take the longest to secure? What's your your, your most difficult, I guess, or longest negotiation?
1: (laughs) It's actually still going on as we speak. Right. I he's won't mention, the details then. No, I won't mention his name, but he's one of the top ten money earners in Hollywood. Right. And it's been three years now, and I have a call next week, and I think we should go to contract next week, and that will be the longest one, and that's been three years. And just to give you an idea, i've I've spent eighty thousand dollars on this joint venture so far. Most of that is travel over to the US to go see them and be in front of them and and invest time in there. Even on that joint venture, Mm. I went once to Los Angeles, sat in my hotel room, and for four days, it just kept getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back (laughs) till the point where it didn't happen and I had to get on a flight and go home. So there's some painful stories in there. Not all joint ventures go the way you'd hope, right? So um, yep. I do feel it'll come off. I do feel the time and the financial investment will pay off. That's probably the longest standing one at this point.
0: But that's also a great lesson in perseverance and just hanging in there because most people would have given up by now. Yeah.
1: And, and, and I'm kind of, oh, yeah, I'm just built in a particular way that I really, you know, I'm, I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to give up on a joint venture, Yeah, uh, you know. There's a big difference between people who fail and people who give up. Yeah. Um, let's be clear. Most people who fail in business is actually because they give up. They don't go that extra round. They don't come back again. Yeah. They don't pony up again. They don't iterate again. So I learned that lesson a long time ago that if I just don't give up, I I usually find a way to get through at the end.
0: Fantastic. Um, which one? Which joint venture has surprised you and exceeded your expectations?
1: Ah, oh, there's there's quite a few. I, um, you know, one that continues to surprise me is Robert Kiyosaki. He wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yep. Probably the most iconic personal finance, uh, personal development book nearly probably ever written. Uh, I think there's hundred and twenty million copies sold around the world. Goodness and it's, it's a funny story because my business partner and our chairman, Richard Tan, he was the very first person to ever give Robert Kiyosaki a shot when he wrote the book Rich Poor Dad. So here's the story, right? No one wanted to give Robert the time or day when he wrote the book. And my partner, Richard, heard about the book only, only weeks after it had been published and come out. He, he rang Robert's office and said, we'd love to have Robert come to Singapore and share his philosophies on the book. And look, we are 22 years into that joint venture. Um, he is an amazing partner. We still do business to this day. We actually have a digital event coming out soon in Australia for people who want to work on their finances. And Robert will be Headlining that, and to give you some idea, Robert has about a four hundred million dollar net worth. He's made a lot of money over his career, and to this day, does not charge us. Every time he comes to one of our countries to to speak for us, he does not charge us a cent. Wow! And and I think he's in a phase of his life where, because Richard helped launch that very first book, and from that event. Rich um, Robert went on to pick up about eighteen other speaking tours. So it was really that first yeah, event that really launched, launched it.
0: him. Yeah,
1: and it, and it, look, it's been a great partnership that continues to exceed expectation, and they're the kind of yeah. partnerships you love.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. So looking outside your partnerships and joint ventures, what what JV or partnership do you see out there that's really smart and really well done? What's something you admire in terms of external?
1: Yeah, I. I, I I've got so many. I, I'll give you two very quickly. Um, anyone sure. listening to this, my favorite deal that I've ever heard is the menu log deal. So we all know that Uber Eats and all the home delivery services. The original game changer in this field was menu log. So menu log founder went out and did a roadshow and tried to find who could buy his business, which is a very smart way to approach Absolutely. The, your business, right? Is to figure out who's going to be my buyer and what are they interested in. It's so exactly here's a, what I tell
0: my clients to do.
1: Exactly, right? There's so many pitfalls, and most people are building their business in a particular way, and it may not be the way that somebody wants to buy it. So here's a great example. This gentleman went over to Europe and found the market leader. He sat down with the potential buyer of his business and said, where do I need to be for this to be exciting for you guys? An amazing sentence to ask a potential partner. Mm. And the guy goes, we don't care about your revenue. We don't care about your EBITDA. We care about your market share. And he said, when you get 90% market share in Australia, that'll be very appealing to us. He goes, cool. Leave you, um, see you later. I'll be back in a couple of years and we'll see how we go. <laughs> he went home. And at this stage, he only had 60% market share. And he thought, well, hold up. He doesn't care about revenue. doesn't care about EBITDA. Why would I go spend millions of dollars trying to get market share when I can go joint venture with my next biggest competitor? So he went and did a deal with a company. It was the second biggest competitor. And it got them to 92% market share in six months. Three months Ooh. after that, yeah. they went back over to Europe, sat down with them, said, Here we go. I told you, you you wanted 90%, I got you 92%. Now, here's where it gets crazy, and I hope everyone's really listened to this. The venture and, and the combined venture where they had 92%, they only they did 40 million turnover, 2 million EBITDA. Very, very small, low margin business. Yeah, skinny margin. They sold it for $855 million cash. Unbelievable. 400 times EBITDA. Yeah,
0: which is so, ridiculous, unheard
1: ridiculous. of. Ridiculous, unheard of, right? So that's a huge lesson for anyone listening to this is don't think it's all about EBITDA. It's mm. got nothing necessarily to do with that if your client isn't interested in that, right? Yep, the absolutely. second one, I'll be very quick as a great example, is Kanye West. He has a brand, he owns 100% of a company um, they're called Yeezys. They're probably more known for their footwear than anything else. Yes. He, did a, he did a series of road shows around who he could partner with. Adidas said, yes, let's do it. Here's the deal he did. He sat down with them and said, I want to retain 100% of my company. I'm willing to give you guys 89% of turnover for you to manufacture it and distribute it. Wow. They said, this guy must be crazy. He's on the other side there saying he'll take 11%. That's all he wants. They did the deal last year. That business did $1.5 billion in turnover. Yes. yes. 11% of that's pretty good. 11% of that is amazing. <laughs> so that's just another great deal of somebody going, Why would I try and manufacture it, get a sales and marketing distribution up, find reps and all that, partner with the world's best? So there's two examples of amazing joint ventures that I just love to kind of talk about and and hopefully gets people to think a little bit differently about the slow and steady pace that most business owners are, are going at. You can scale your business fast and fun
0: with joint ventures. Mate, they are two fantastic stories and some great lessons in there. I mean, I, as you know, I do a lot of work around exit and succession planning, and I'm always telling clients, you know, they spend hours arguing about whether they've got 51% or
1: 55%. The stories <laughs> matter.
0: In that example, whether you had 11%, 8%, or 21 it wouldn't make a lot of difference. You're still making a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. Great stories, Michael. Where to from here? You've done, I won't say you've done everything, but my God, you've done a lot of stuff. Where to from here, what's next for you? Look, um,
1: my success resources business, um, I'm building that to sell it in 10 years' time. Um, yep. So, and again, I'm building it based on, not on EBITDA, I'm in reinvesting everything. So last year we did 154 billion in in cash, uh, sales, whatever you want to call it. And I'm reinvesting everything. I have not, we have not taken a dividend. Uh, there's never been a dividend in that business, wow. um, so that's been eleven years under this current structure and the current uh, iteration of the business. Uh, we we've never taken a dividend, but there's a couple of exciting things for us. Um, you know, we're, we've got the largest market share in on the planet. We've got the largest and the best contracts and agreements and partnerships with the likes of Tony Robbins, Richard Branson, those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're pivoting our old-school physical bricks-and-mortar business running live events into a digital platform. So to give you some idea, based on that, our valuation is very high based on the fact that we have all those key components. And when I figured out that the person or the company who's going to buy my business in 10 years, they're not that interested on that EBITDA component again and that's not going to be the case for everyone there'll be plenty of companies who are looking just for EBITDA but you know that what we've put together uh, we think is pretty unique and we see us building the largest personal development professional development educational platform both live and digital on the planet and we want to impact a billion people in the next 10 years so that's kind of my main focus
0: Mate, that is an awesome goal. I mean, you hear people talk about goals I want to build to a million dollars turnover or whatever. That's a pretty impressive goal. Mate, thank you for joining us. It's been an absolutely fascinating episode. I've made so many notes here in front of me as well. So thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up again soon. My pleasure. Thanks, Craig.
1: Thank you for listening to SME Radio, proudly produced by Eagle Wave's small business podcasting platform. For more great episodes like this, go to smea.org.au. Remember, if you have a story to tell, we want to share it.